to the Untitled Art Podcast presented by Artsy. My name is Clara Andrade Pereira, Head of BAP Relations with Untitled Art, and I am pleased to introduce this conversation entitled Drawn Together, a panel discussion on the dynamics drawn from living inside and outside the line of the US-Mexico border. This panel is presented by the Ant Project and the Cultural Institute of Mexico in Miami. I am delighted to introduce today's participants, artists from the Truth Farm Collective, Arlene Correa Valencia, Ana Teresa Fernandez, Ronald Rail, in a conversation moderated by the Ant Project founder, Guadalupe Garcia, Adriana Torres, director of the Cultural Institute of Mexico in Miami, would like to say a few words. So Adriana, it is all yours now. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, uh, we are very, very pleased to, to be here. Very, very honored. Uh, good, after, good afternoon, everyone. I am Adriana Torres, director of the Cultural Institute of Mexico in Miami. On behalf of uh, the Consul General Jonathan Chait, I would like to congratulate Guadalupe Garcia, the founder of the Ant Project, for her alliance with the Consulate General of Mexico to present this amazing artist, uh, this collective, uh, The Truth Farm, with Ana Teresa Fernandez, Arlene Correa, and Ronald Ray. Uh, I want to congratulate them uh, on their work because through their artistic proposals, they have made migrants and dreamers visible to put the conversation, conversation on the table. Despite borders, our Mexican roots are seen from the artistic and cultural point of view. Congratulations. I wish you all the best. Uh, and may they continue, continue to be an inspiration for artists from Mexico in the United States. Thank you very much. We are going to, to be in support uh, uh, you all the time and we are very proud of you. Thank you very much. Hello, my name is Guadalupe Garcia. I'm the founder of the Ant Project. And just a, just a brief uh, presentation of the Ant Project. It, it's a horizontal structure of interaction to create decentralized projects, interconnecting the content of the projects of different artists, curators, writers, performers. And from our interaction in a horizontal way, we create new projects and we act. That is the spirit like an ant colony. Okay, so we're super excited, super happy of, be, of being here with this fantastic, outstanding artists, Truth Farm Collective, Arlene Correa Valencia, Ana Teresa Fernandez, and Ronald Rail. And we're having a, an incredible conversation about their own experiences, their their particular approaches and experiences regarding the US-Mexico border, because the three of them have very different stories and very different approaches to the line, and what is it to be inside or outside the line. So why don't we start uh, with um, Ronald? Okay, thank yes. you, Guadalupe. Thank you. Thank you for having me here today. My own history about the, my relationship to the U.S.-Mexico border is one of 
my relationship to not the current day border, but the historical border between the United States and Mexico. And I am from a place in northern New Mexico and southern Colorado that was the northernmost frontier of the Mexican territory prior to the Mexican-American War in 1848. And uh, there's a very common saying in that landscape, which is that I did not cross the border, the border crossed me, or the border crossed my family. And what, who remained there are the people of indigenous and Mexican ancestry who continue to live within the United States with those identities at that northernmost frontier. And so in studying the historical U.S.-Mexico border, it has always been very interesting to me to see how the same issues and problems that we see today along the contemporary U.S.-Mexico border that have to do with immigration, the militarization of the border, and also uh, unfair labor practices, or in the historical case, slavery, um, continue to exist today as they did at the historical border. So my work has been very much a part of retelling those histories so that we can understand what is happening today and that perhaps we can prevent those things from continuing to happen in the future. Yeah, thank you, Ron. And how about Arlene Correa Valencia? <laughs> um, okay, so my relationship to the line or the border started I guess in like 1995, but it actually predates me and my birth because my father engaged in migration to, from Mexico to the US when he was 19 years old. And all this information I have documented in these really beautiful letters that he was writing to my mother at the time. And so I can really trace back the roots of when my father's migration begun and the patterns that he was engaging in. And then my family became a transnational family when my father decided to stay in the U.S. permanently. And my brother and my mother and I were in Mexico waiting for that moment that we would be reunited with him. And so even though I was only three years old, these patterns of moving across um, nations were already established and uh, were already dictating how my life would play out. And I, then in 1996, um, my father was able to gather up enough money and to bring us to the US in the beginning of 1997, I think it was like February or so. And so I came to the US when I was like, I had just turned three. Um, my little sister was 32 days old. She was a brand new baby. And I had a brother who was five. And so um, the three of us are DACA recipients, dreamers, and have lived under that permit for the last 10 years. And um, we are seeing that there's pushes to give us a path to citizenship, or something like that. But I'm really interested in the separation of the borders and um, w the consequences that we are living because of this migration that happened when we were really young. And even though it was 25 years ago, we are still like living under these confinements and having to find ways to survive um, and to thrive within all of, um, all of this policy that is so beyond us and out of our control. And so that's the way that my work engages with the line um, or the border. And I think, like Ron was sharing, uh, it's important to, to tell these stories and to have ways to share them with other people who have not been impacted directly or have been impacted and it, it has uh, transcended their life now. Because if we begin to understand the ways in which people are suffering 
because of this divide, then we can prevent that from reoccurring in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. And how about you, Anna? Well, I, th I think that um, one of the things that just stirred up in my, in my imagination or in my mind as you were talking about how the ant structure, it's so horizontal, I think for me it's about threading a line through history because when we look at history there's always this horizontal line and how women have been absent throughout such specific periods, abstract expressionism, uh, the Mexican muralist, and I think I, I try and thread the line back into history and working through the process of abstract expressionism and, and playing with issues of like instead of throwing paint onto the floor like this very macho Jackson Pollock, it's how do you work together and use two people and work with metaphors and thread both language in those parts in history and bring them back today to the present day to articulate issues, contemporary issues of the border, of a very distinct, also horizontal and vertical line that cuts across nations. And in this case, um, silver linings, which is so much about mixing the metaphor of it takes two to tango and drawing the line. I'm, I'm drawing the line as a very specific um, statement to address being able to shut down the entire country because of needing X amount of billion dollars to continue to build the wall and not working in a bipartisan manner to actually see what the what those issues are in a much more profound way of immigration, of what the necessities are between those two countries and instead of like erecting these walls. And so for me, uh, Silver Linings was a way of horizontally addressing like how can we look not only into the future but into the past to be able to acknowledge our own actions, our own responsibilities of what we've made to create these erected borders. Um, as well as the erasure of the border um, in terms of thinking about the Mexican muralist of, you know, the Diego Riveras and the Clementos, the figurative aspect where it's like, what about just painting the border sky blue as a very minimalistic, like, um, do, can I be considered a Mexican mar uh, muralist as well within that conversation? So I think it's not just the horizontal observations of lines, but historical lines as well. Yes. Definitely. So how do, how do your three stories braid together? To me, it's, to me, it's fascinating to see what you together have created as Truth Farm. And it would be incredible to hear how the three stories uh, in, intertwine and braid together. Yeah, how did it start? Well, uh, okay, so Ana Teresa and I met in 2017 at the Anderson Ranch in Colorado, um, and she was teaching a painting workshop, and I was a grumpy, young, 20-year-old that would, did not want to be told how to paint. And Nana comes over and she says, you have to add more color. And I was like, you don't know me. And, um, and it, was a, it was a really beautiful relationship that formed. I think we were really lucky that um, we both lived in the Bay Area. I was at California College of the Arts at the time. And so I went back to San Francisco. And Anna was just like readily available to come to my studio to continue pushing me to show like the beauty and color in my culture. Because I think that at the time, I was really afraid to bring color to my portraits. I was painting um, 
oil portraits of the agricultural workers in Napa Valley where I was raised. And I was doing them in like really brown muted colors because they're the color of the earth. And I was so stuck to that idea. But in came Mana and was like, put a little green on there, put a little orange on there. And I was so like, oh, what are you doing to my paintings? But I think she like, one brings out the brightness in all, all of us, you know. She, she, she's the one who really started Truth Farm and who brought us all together. She's the one who made us wear these outfits, by the way. <laughs> so, Anna, yeah, you could. That's how our friendship formed. Oh yeah, so we're wearing um, what sequins, glittery uh, silver dresses, and Ron's wearing a really nice shirt. That so <laughs> it's also silver and glittery. Yeah, also silver and glittery. Uh, if you guys were at the Untitled Party, we were the three, the three dancers on the dance floor. Yeah. Well, and I think that the opportunity came about when in Charlottesville, Virginia, there's a Trump winery actually in Charlottesville, which I didn't know about. And I was asked to dream up of, of a specific project to do in the island that um, circulates or it's, it's circulated by all of the winery. And actually, the, the tasting room looks down onto this island of green. And they were proposing, they were looking for a Mexican artist to propose something that would be in response right after the December 6th insurrection. And the only thing that came coming up for me was the word truth. And it just was like this insistence in the back of my brain. And I was like, why don't I create this 120-foot-long table where people are invited to come eat converse on this table and formulate what or enact what good neighbors actually should be doing which is having a seat at the table being inclusive not exclusive and but with that i was like arlene why don't you come and also bring your pieces there's this huge greenhouse in which we can accentuate the power of these stories by bringing in your work. And then we were like, well, Ron, actually, you're building hornos. <laughs> Why don't you migrate your horno? So he might migrate, we, you migrated two tons of bricks, right? Can you, can you tell the story of the bricks? Yeah, so as part of this truth farm, we had um, wanted to build adobe bricks in the truth farm site in Charlottesville, Virginia but it was always raining there, so we weren't able to make adobes. Adobes are sun-dried mud bricks. And so instead, we dismantled a Mexican-American schoolhouse that was falling into ruins, and we used the, the adobes from that schoolhouse in Colorado and migrated them across the country to Charlottesville, Virginia, and constructed this ordno to give those bricks a new life of bringing people together to make food and to serve that food on the table uh, that was built by Ana Teresa but not looking sketchy at all because the bricks actually arrived with the bed of the, what do you call that? The, the, the thing in the back of the pickup truck? The trailer. So the trailer was missing a wheel by the time that it actually got to the winery. It was one in the morning. We all had like flashlights. We looked sketchy as all hell inside the winery, unloading two tons of bricks onto the property you know, like all you could see were like flashlights in the in the pitch dark, um, and thus began the the journey. And that, I think that that's where the collective really um, 
took birth by just us working. And no matter what we do, we always have an enormous amount of fun. We always are creating stories. It's always about bringing joy, conversation, and, you know, a little bit of glitter. Well, and I, I think one of the important things that I constantly think about with the three of us is how we're reclaiming truth, right? How we're taking up spaces, not only at Trump Winery and here and everywhere we go, but we're connecting with the environment, bringing something individual that each of us bring our own history with migration and the border, and we're reclaiming what it means to be um, migrants or what it means to be Mexican uh, and telling our truth. And it's really simple, and I think a lot of people try to get caught up in the nuances of migration or you know, the politics of all of that, but we just bring the truth and that's what we have to offer. And with that, we hope that all of you join us in sharing your truth because it is a, it is a circular conversation, right? It's, and it's linear and we want to continue this conversation. We want people to feel comfortable sharing whatever truth it is that they have and that they know that they always have a seat at the table and that they don't have to live by these confinements that are um, sometimes out of our, our hands. How about you, Ron? How, how was your, your meeting with the, the team? Well, my, my first meeting with the members of the team was with Ana Teresa. And we had a, a very difficult first meeting because Ana, Ana Teresa was one of the first people that I had seen who engaged the wall in a way that was not decorative or you know that took a position on the wall. There was something about that work. And I said, I have to meet this person. And I drove across from Oakland to San Francisco where she's giving a lecture. And it was two hours late. She was ending a lecture. And I just came up to her in line. I was like, blah, 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 blah. I threw her a bunch of questions. She's like, who He's are like, what did you just talk guy? about <laughs> right <laughs> after like, my lecture? Tell me everything that you said in the lecture because I missed it. <laughs> and she thought I was crazy. So I, <clears throat> so I said, hey, I'm sorry. You want to have coffee sometimes? And so we talked about this and Ana Teresa was a person who gave me a lot of courage to do the work that I've been doing, particularly the teeter-totter wall because I had never seen someone kind of attack the wall in an intellectual way and she attacked it with a paintbrush. Um, and that was really brilliant and, and so I had this idea of attacking it with a pink stick and so I was scared to death to do this but Ana Teresa said, just do it, just do it. And so the day came when I made these pink teeter-totters and attacked the wall with these teeter-totters to bring people together. And I think a lot of our collective work is about bringing people together and, and making uh, visible those truths, as Arlene says, and like the t-shirts say, that we are not invisible, but there's a, there, I think there's an underlying... Uh, effort on all our parts to make visible the stories, to make visible the people, and make visible the consequences that are uh, engendered by the violence of the border wall and the border itself. And we want to tell those truths, but we don't want to tell them through violence, we want to tell them through joy. And I think that that's what all the projects uh, that we are working on attempt to do. That's exactly what uh, touched me deeply, that you radiate so much joy in what you do together. And I have to say that sometimes people ask me, oh, you're working with Truth Farm. And I say, I'm not working. I'm just having so much fun with them. It's been such a joy, such a pleasure to share this experience together. 
And I'd like to, to hear, how do you feel in an art fair together, like telling the, your truths in a different context now? Well, well, I feel like it's no different than what we've done before because we're doing it in the same way, right? With so much love, with so much joy. Um, the space changes, obviously we're not at Trump Winery or at the border or anywhere else, but what we have collectively harvested and what we continue to plant doesn't change, right? Um, and it's these ideas of truth, of sharing, of community, um, of visibility, of power, And so, you know, like when I called uh, Ana Teresa and I said, this is crazy, I just like freaked out on the phone and I called her and I said, this is crazy, this is crazy, but like, do you want to do Truth Fam at Untitled in Miami? And she was like, what, what, what? Like, <laughs> um, but I knew, and then I called Ron, or I talked to Ron and same thing. I was like, Ron, Ron, I'm so excited about this thing. Like, do you want to do it? Do you want to do it? And like deep inside me, I, like, I knew that they would not say no, right? Because we're constantly shifting and we're constantly adapting to these new environments where we're learning how our project fits in. Um, and it's exciting, right? Because I think that if we start to confine ourselves and say, like, we only do, you know, our work in these spaces or these environments, our Trump wineries um, in these environments, then we're not truly sharing, you know, everything that we have to share. And so it's really exciting to be here. It doesn't feel any different than doing this outside or in other communities. I think in order to to get to our real, the real core of our message, um, we have to be everywhere and we have to be flexible. And I think there's something very special about what we're showing at this event, which doesn't change, which there are, there are things on the wall and, and everything in our booth might be considered fine art, but there are things that are different, like t-shirts and cups and dance performances and things that are very accessible and bring people together. And, and they are, I think, in my opinion, about a certain generosity that is very accessible and very tangible and experiential. Absolutely. And I have to, oh, sorry. Um, well, I'd like to share with you guys um, as part of the, the Cultural Institute, and also uh, like an artist, I am an artist myself. Um, I've been enjoying exactly the same as you said, uh, Guadalupe. These, these three artists, uh, well, they are um, so creative, so amazing. And, and you know what, uh, every day we have uh, some, well, we have a chat together. And, every day they have more ideas for this exhibition. And uh, for me, it was like a unbelievable. I, I have like 100 uh, chat uh, dialogues and I haven't seen them in all day long, but I've been so crazy to, to, to keep in touch with them and, and try to, to catch them on. And, and finding so amazing uh, people um, I like you to, to to know about the picotera. One thing, uh, uh, and the other thing uh, is one one question for you. Uh, when you said that you attacked attacked the border, you have a permission, or what happened with that? No, we did we did not have permission. We weren't given permission, neither Ana Teresa or I. We just did this. This is why, for me, it took me. Uh, I had to have a lot of courage, which was fueled by Ana Teresa's work and her her uh, friendship, because we were doing this work without any permission. We were just going there and attacking the wall, but not in a violent way, right? We weren't, we were attacking it through, through joy. 
Okay, and the picotera thing. <laughs> I don't want if you want to share that process because uh, to be in a creative uh, collective, uh, they are making things all the time. They don't stop. So the picotera was a it's a joke between uh, between the, the artists. But I like to share something uh, curious about that. The picotera and then the la carretilla. Ah, see, there was there were there were many ideas that we didn't get to do, but uh, one of them that we were going to have a wheelbarrow full of all our goods, and we were going to go uh, like a carreta, like a paletera, like a yeah, like a wheelbarrow, and go through the fair and and sell our goods and do things and serve tequila, and we weren't allowed to do all that. We were going to go out to the beach and do this, but we didn't get the opportunity to do that. But it was going to be much more. We we're going to blur the borders of our own uh, booth and take it out into the fair. Well, I want to, I want to. Uh, it never ends with them. It never ends, the creativity. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I want to share being in the booth every day in a commercial fair like this one. <laughs> to me, it's been really touching to see how the people engage with the booth, with the energy of the works, and with the heart of the artist and of the art project, because we share the same heart collective, of collective action, of interaction and connection. And I have to say that this is the first time in an art fair that I see people breaking in tears in our booth, not once, many times, because the stories resonate deeply with some, so many people who have been immigrants, undocumented immigrants, or you know, uh, rethinking about connections with people who are in the other side of the line, whatever stories, it's been beautiful to bring this to a commercial art fair where people probably don't expect to be touched that deep, but they actually, uh, they actually are touched. And it's far beyond just um, showing the work or selling the work. We're selling the work because we need funds. <laughs> we, everybody needs funds to do more projects. But it's beautiful and fantastic to touch the people with the heart of the creators of all the projects. How do you feel seeing the people in the booth being so touched, so connected with your work? I mean, whoever wants to, to answer. Um, well, it's, it's really surreal because I think if we really look at the numbers, there's like 800,000 dreamers in the U.S., right? Um, and so there's, uh, my siblings and I are three of those 800,000. And even though there's 800,000, it sometimes feels like we're really alone. And the three of us are the only ones who really understand our experience. One of the things I think about often with my work is that in order for me to be here, like even just to be in Florida and to travel here from California where I'm from, um, I have to have a valid driver's license, right? And I didn't get that valid driver's license without admitting that my parents committed a crime. And so I gave up my parents and uh, imprisoned them in this legal, legal system to be able to have these benefits to be here today. And I don't think a lot of people have even thought about that, right? About the 800,000 of us who um, turned our backs on our parents uh, for ourselves. And so when people connect to my work, I feel like I'm not alone in that sense, you know, I feel like people are actually seeing me 
and um, are finding ways to understand what it's like to be in this position and to bring their own experiences to where like my story doesn't necessarily have to be the center of the work, but it's the entry of the work and they can connect um, to these portraits that I have of children and parents and imagine what it's like to hold their own children or to give up their life for their children or that, and, to talk, and to really feel that relationship and that love that exists between parent and child. There's a, I, I think there's a, there's a very easily understandable symbology to the, the teeter-totter. Uh, on an immediate level, it was connecting two people sitting on two ends of it. And so there was a very immediate sensation of the generosity between two people having fun. Like uh, the teeter-totter is a very uh, interesting playground equipment because in order for one person to experience joy, the other person has to be able to give that joy to the other person. So that generosity is inherent. Um, globally, there's a very clear symbology to that. But I think that what, was, what, what is important about that is, and touches everyone who comes here, uh, no matter where they're from, is because, especially in the last five years, I think we dealt with also symbolic forms of separation. It's not only a wall that divides people, but it's the walls we build between people of different cultural beliefs or religious beliefs or uh, different identities. And those walls were drawn very hard. And I think that uh, it's very important to understand that we not only can bridge uh, political boundaries, but we can bridge the boundaries that exist between two people regardless of their differences. And Ana, perdón, Ana Teresa, how was for you to open the fair with a performance with an audience? You usually don't have an audience in your performances, you record them, and it was so exquisite to see you since the beginning, the, the, the tango, so elegant, so neat, so beautiful. I mean, you were floating in the booth. It was like, floating in the, in the clouds, it was all white, and then you two in these beautiful suits dancing. And then this act, action painting following. I mean, people were absolutely in awe seeing you. How was it for you to have an audience to open a fair with one of your magnific magnificent performances? <laughs> Nerve-wracking. Um, no, it's those, uh, like Guadalupe said, I don't ever really publicize any of the performances, nor do I do them in public with an audience, with a specific audience, let alone in an art fair. So being able to dis get, get silver paint on somebody else's paint artwork was extremely nerve-wracking, not needing to pay for something that I've unfortunately um, abstractly expression or ex with through my abstract expressionist movement um, would have gotten pain on so but otherwise I think that first of all my partner my tango partner is a scientist he's a PhD um, scientist and I'm an artist and even that conversation is incredibly interesting because we're able to converse without ever sharing any words um, you get to the point where very slight movements just articulate your needs to the other person and so having worked with him for over 14 years 
it was funny how we were even in the performance I would do something, I would tap him or I would look at him and he knew how he had to restructure his body. So for, in order for me to be able to move more accurately across the space and that continued into the performance. And I think that that was really lovely for him to experience as well, being a scientist in his sixties, being at an art fair, um, doing this for a live audience was, was pretty remarkable. Um, and I think that it's, it's just creating a different energy, bringing what we do as artists to the fair and just having it be like a little less precious, having it be more generous, having it be like that, that action of, of tango, of working together in a space and lending that energy to have a different experience. Um, and you have, a, you have a piece that you have absolutely no idea what it's going to look like and you just go for it. So I think it's, it's like throwing it up in the air, quite literally. And I think it's generous on your part for letting us experiment in this way. And I think that that, that line of generosity runs through the booth very clearly. It is an absolute joy to see you, to, to have you, the three of you, as a collective with so much heart, so much love. And I have to say that a lot of people approached me after uh, thanking us for having a performance to open the fair. Because I feel that it created another dimension, not just in our booth, but in the whole fair. And many people came to us and I, they said, this is how fairs should be. I mean, it's the first time I come to a fair and I see such a beautiful performance opening. And they were so touched, so inspired. And I was so grateful that, that we, we did it. I mean, you did it. And we were so joyful to, to open the fair like this. Yes. And uh, it's been touching to, to listen to people same with uh, Arlene's work, Ron's Tita Totters, they really are moved. And this is to me, as the founder of the ON project, this is what we are looking for. We want to send the messages out. We want to connect people from the heart, not just from the mind or the intellect or the personalities, but for who we really are, who are our essence, which is there all the time. And I have to say something else. When, you, when we went to the party, and you were the stars of the party, I got so many comments thanking us for being ourselves. I mean, I, it was very touching. Our neighbor said, I'm so honored to be your neighbor because you're teaching us how to be ourselves. We are so afraid of the people. What are they going to think about us? And you just came to the party. You broke the party. You made the party, and you left. It was like. Thank you. <laughs> so thanks for wearing these outfits today, because it, it's a reminder of just be whatever you are, whatever you do, just do it. Yeah, and I, I want to say thank you to Anna, because I feel like you are the core of Ron and I and our practices. Um, and I actually didn't know that you were pushing Ron to do his teeter-totter intervention and helping guide him in that way. But it all makes sense now, because 
you were pushing me to put color on my canvas and to like be colorful and be bold and be true to myself. And you did the same thing with Ron. And now we get to do it here collectively. And we get to keep doing it with other people. And I think, you know, when you were talking about earlier about our booth, I, when we, for all those that didn't come to the untitled party, we come out of the elevator and we just, all three of us heard, or we all heard music and we're just coming out of the elevator dancing, like totally sober. Nobody had drank anything. We were just having a good time. We were surrounded by people that we knew we trusted and loved. And I think that's the whole point of the work, right? Is to like let those borders come down, let those boundaries come down and understand that at the core of everything that we are, we're human beings who want to be loved and want to feel joy. And if we can do that, we can spread it. And it's this contagious happiness that Anna has brought to us and has taught us really like how to, how to be bold in that way. So thank you, Anna. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Anna. And, and this, uh, uh, this reminds me uh, the comment that the, the Consul General says about Anna. And, and he says that you are his precious. <laughs> so, well, we know why he's calling you like that. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Any other comments? Okay. So please visit our booth. You'll find more than art. You'll find a lot of heart and a lot of love expressed in many media. So join us, and I, we hope you, we continue to do these kind of projects in, in art first and whatever, you know, together. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.